0: Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right. So if you're watching on Facebook, welcome. Uh, we're doing a live podcast today. Welcome to the God-Centered uh, Men's Recovery Podcast. This is uh, brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. If you haven't checked out our Facebook uh Group, i encourage you to check that out but um, i'm glad to be here Uh, this podcast is inspired by uh, a couple different things but um, the first one is is that there's people out there um, needing help in this area of their life about people pleasing and uh, they've reached out to me and asked me how to overcome this and so i'm going to dedicate a couple days to talking about this And uh, But first of all, I like to say that I'm thoroughly uh, educated in this process just because I am one. I is one, okay? And uh, I went through the process and uh, overcome a lot of different things. Um, So my knowledge comes from a a lot of experimental knowledge. So these 13 uh, signs of people-pleasing is going to be straight from my life in areas that I've seen, uh, in my life and seeing it played out. First, I'd like to say that uh, people pleasers are some of the nicest people out there, right? Uh, they have a lot of empathy. Uh, they, ha- they, they have sympathy. They're able to put themselves in other people's shoes. They're able to see the problems. They're able to bear the burdens. They, they scream, I love you and I care. And this is the biggest problem with people pleasing is because all of these attributes, they seem so positive, right? If you are an employer, you're looking for people that care, that have empathy, that have, you know, that love and have a big heart. And so with all these positive qualities, we could step into this negative mindset. And we're going to go into the 13 reasons or 13 signs of people pleasing. Number one, you pretend to agree when you really don't. And that is in conversations or in uh, relationships with other people. Um, You have thoughts and you have ideas that might be contrary to other people, but because of your ability to please people and want to please people, that you pretend like you agree with certain belief systems, certain attitudes, certain, uh, behavior when you really don't. And what that boils down to is that you fail to speak up because you're afraid of how other people are going to respond. And what that means is that you don't offer your opinion. Now this could be highly detrimental in so many different areas in relationships and business. If you don't step up, with your ideas and with your opinions, this could be very detrimental to you. Number two is you don't like to make waves. You see, there's something about people pleasers that desire what peace. Not only are we people pleasers, but we're peacemakers, right? And so we want this, we want, we don't want to make waves. We want everybody to be peaceful. And so we compromise in that area, to obtain peace. And this happens in relationships, it happens in business, it happens in so many different areas. Number three is that you're very good at submission, right? So if you're unable to offer your opinion and you want peace at all costs, what begins to happen is you're very good at submitting to other people's will, right? And what happens is you begin to lose touch with what you really want, what you desire, what you want to take place, right? And so you end up submitting to other people's will. And and matter of fact, you find somebody in a relationship who is more dominant than you. um, And you fall into that behavior pattern just very easily. And you become more submissive um, than you should. How is this a bad thing? Well, if you're not thoroughly in touch with what you want and you're constantly submitting to other people's ideas, other people's opinions, you lose touch with yourself and you just become a servant basically to the people around you. Mm. Number four is that you take ownership for other people's feelings and problems. You see, well, I'll go into this in a little bit, but it's kind of the savior complex. I'll go into that in a little bit, but here's the reality. That everybody's got problems, right? And this is why Jesus said you should probably take care of the the um, beam in your own eye before you go in pick, to pick the speck out of your brother's eye. What was he saying? He's saying you got your own problems, <laughs> right? You got to deal with your own stuff. And so when we become consumed about everybody else's problems, we don't recognize or deal with our own. In fact, it could be a method of escape. I'm escaping my own problems by helping you with your problems. And so when we take on other people's problems and other people's feelings, and then we take ownership of them like they're ours. When in fact, in reality, they are not ours. We have just taken ownership of those problems. And it leads to this next uh, situation that I'm going to talk about. And that's number five is that people rely on you as savior. You see, what begins to happen is when we begin to be the savior, people begin to rely on us and that makes us feel good, right? It feels good to help other people and to be their savior. But here's, here's the problem. There already was a savior, right? The savior of the world, (laughs) uh, his job's taken, right? Totally taken. Um, he occupies it. He feels it good. And so when we begin to step into this role of, I'm going to save everybody, we're, we're stepping beyond our bounds of our roles in our authority and taking on something that we were not supposed to take on. And here, here's the crazy thing. If we're going to be the savior, that means that people are going to rely on us. And guess what? we're fallible, right? We make mistakes. We're, we're subject to errors and, and all those things. And so people are trusting in a source that's unreliable, which is us. And what begins to happen is that people rely on us instead of relying on the source, the savior himself, people begin to rely on us like we're their source. And all of a sudden, every single problem, every single pain, every single temptation, every single mistake that's going on in their lives, who do they come to? Us, because they have learned to rely on us as Savior, and we're playing that role. Now, a lot of times it makes us feel good to play that role. It gives us some sort of inner satisfaction to play that role. But the reality is, is that it's not our role to play because it goes into the next thing is number seven, uh, number six, you are doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. I'll say that one more time because it's the most powerful thing that, that, uh, that smacked me in the face, uh, three to four years ago about codependency, but you are doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. And that's what happens when we take on the role of savior and our government has done it. I don't mean to get political here or even religious because our churches have done it. And that is, is we have taken on the responsibility to do for others what they can and should do for themselves. And we do this with addicted people, right? Addicted people should be, or people should be taking responsibility for their life, right? They should be doing certain things. And we, as the people pleaser, as the enabler, we come and make up for their, their deficit, right? We do it all the time. We do it with our children. If they fail to clean the room, like we want to, what do we do? Us little people pleasing enablers, what we go in there and clean the rest for them? <laughs> right? Or it could be with an addicted child or an addicted spouse. They're not pulling their weight, right? So say your wife is addicted and, and all of a sudden she, she never makes dinner anymore. So what do you do, right? You step in as the people pleaser, as, as the enabler, or, and you begin to make dinner for everybody. Now, all of a sudden you're making dinner And then all of a sudden your addicted wife begins to drop more responsibilities like, um, picking up the kids from school and doing all these other things. And all of a sudden you step in to take care of that. And the list goes on and on about this, enabling people, pleasing behavior until what you are carrying every single thing that you could possibly carry and they are carrying nothing. The ultimate, ultimate sign of people pleasing is doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. Our government has done this. People should work, right? And there are situations where people can't work uh, due to disabilities and stuff like that. But the government steps in as savior and does for others what they can and should and do for themselves and distills away their dignity and their worth, And all of a sudden, what do they do? They stay stuck in that state and condition because the government has decided to take on the role of an enabler and a people pleaser. Churches have done it too. Pastors have taken on that role as savior. Every single time somebody uh, has a problem, they call the pastor up and need prayer. And all of a sudden the problems get bigger and bigger and, and the requests become more and more because... You have done for others what they can and should do for themselves. Number seven, always saying, sorry, man, I was the king of this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would apologize for things that wasn't even my fault, right? Things that had nothing to do with me. Oh, I'm sorry because I was so empathetic and put myself in other people's shoes and able to feel their pain. I felt sorry that it happened to them. And we're going around apologizing all the time. That's a sure sign that you are in the people pleasing mode. Next one. You are in a state of emptiness. This is number eight. You are in a state of emptiness. And I'll tell you why you're in a state of emptiness. Because you're giving everything for everybody else. If your spouse is addicted and you're carrying all the weight and you've taken over most of the responsibilities, what begins to happen? You begin to dry up. You become empty. And all of these relationships, why right, we're wondering why everybody seems to take, take, take. Because we allow it to be that way and we're there just to give give give. And what do we do? We give until there's nothing left. Now all of a sudden we're all of a sudden we're empty, we're broken, we're busted. And we're the ones crying, looking for a savior and we look around and guess what? Ain't nobody there. Ain't nobody there. You think all the people that you are giving every single thing for when you're in need? No. No, they're broken. And they're dependent people and they're not going to be there. And so we got to get this idea of, we need to fill ourselves up that we need to come first because the reality is, is that we can't give from an empty vessel. You know, if you want to give and you want to love people and you want to do things the right way, then it's making sure that you are solid that you are stable, and that you are giving to yourself first. And the way that happens is to begin to focus on your family, faith, fitness, and finances, and begin to fill those up, focus on yourself, and begin to build those up. And with the power of God operating in your life, man, I've been studying this lately. It is powerful. The power of God operating in your life, giving you the ability to do things that you can't, right? And you begin to fill up the areas of your life and you begin to be powerful and you can begin to make an effect. Number nine, everybody in your world needs to be happy that you just, you won't be okay if somebody in your world is unhappy. Here's the reality that life is filled with a lot of mundane a lot of mundane, uh, um, what they call ordinary misery, right? There are parts of life that is just simply boring that are just simply, uh, obligations and responsibilities that may not be that fun. And we got to be comfortable with ordinary misery. And that means sometimes our children will have to learn comfort in ordinary misery. Uh, in my neck of the woods, we, we have a lot of snow and it's really, really cold. We're way up North and there's a sense of ordinary misery around that, you know, children get to play in the snow, but soon they get tired of it. It's too cold, blah, blah, blah. And when they do, they stay in the house and, and relax and do those things. It's just a sense of ordinary misery. Now I could step in as a parent and try to make everybody happy. Right. Try to make sure everybody's happy. Nobody's bored. Nothing like that's going on. But I refuse to. Because people need to get accustomed to a sense of ordinary misery. And so there's people around you that are unhappy. And they're unhappy for multiple different reasons. And so if you are taking on the people, please, or savior complex, you're going to find out why they're not happy and begin to try to make them happy. All the while that you're trying to make everybody else around you happy, guess who's unhappy you, but you don't recognize it because you're too busy trying to please everybody else. You don't recognize the things that you want. You don't recognize your desires. You don't recognize anything because you're off to save the world. You're off to to please the people and you're off to make everybody happy. Am I talking to somebody? (laughs) Uh. Number 10, you overly accommodate others. And this is the idea that you put others needs before your own. We have already talked about where that leads you. It leads you to a place of emptiness. Because if you are always submitting to what everybody else wants, who is concerned about what you want? Who is making sure that you're fulfilled? There's nobody. And so, number 11, when you say no, you offer an excuse or feel bad. Now, this is a major sign of people pleasing. Offering, uh, when you say no, it, you offer an excuse or you feel bad. And I was the king of that, man. I couldn't just tell people no, and just leave it at that. Have you ever noticed and I've noticed with people in my life, when I started to change and started like not giving excuses and just saying no, and just owning my desires, they look at you like they're just waiting for your, your excuse. You're like, no. And they're just sitting around waiting because you have trained them how you behave and how you respond, right? And so you say no. They sit around and wait for this, uh, the excuse. And you're almost like, you know what? I'm not giving an excuse this time. I'm not giving an excuse. Cause... And there's this like weird silence between you and them. And it's just like, they're just waiting for the excuse. Why? Because you always give it, right? I always gave it. And we have to get to the place where we can say no and own it. It's almost like knowing the process, knowing how it's going to turn out, say no, and just look at them and smile like <laughs> no excuse given. I am not going to even offer one, man. I remember being young you know, not wanting to tell people no. And just like, Man, getting frustrated and going through this mental thing. What what excuse should I say? So I'm thinking of, you know, all these different excuses and I'm like, "Ooh, this one sounds like this one sounds like it might be good enough." And so I'm like, "No, uh because um, you know, my car is overheating and I'm I'm a little scared to to drive it that far." <laughs> it's like pfft. Man, if we could just learn to say no and offer no excuse for it. Hmm. Number twelve, can't stand when others don't like me. Mm, this is a major sign of people pleasing. There, there's a certain part of us that wants connection. We want to belong. We want a uh, relationship and connection with other people. That's cool. Um, it's part of our our our, our needs uh, and uh, hierarchy of human needs and stuff like that. But here's here's the thing: is that when we when we're not okay. I am not okay. If other people don't like me. And then this produces in me a lot of emotional baggage, right? That because I'm not okay, when other people don't like me, I'm going to go through a lot of mental pain to try to get other people to like me. I need to feel accepted. I need to feel like I need to feel okay. And the last one, is number 13 is that you refuse to be polarizing. <laughs> uh, polarizing is an awesome thing. I love it. I'm pretty polarizing myself. I name my podcast uh God-centered men's recovery. I mean, there's nothing more pol- polarizing than that. Uh, that doesn't mean that other people can't join along in the club, but it means you know that I identified who I'm talking to, um, and all that stuff. So if I was, if I still had the mindset of, I was going to peace, please, uh, peace, uh, peace people, then I would refuse and I'd water down my message. I would make it acceptable to everybody. And I would just make sure that everybody feels included and that we're all in this together and that we all believe the same thing. And it's just not reality. It's just not reality. And so some of the greatest people, have the greatest effect on people's life is because they're polarizing. They draw a hard line in the sand and say, this is what I'm about. And this is what I believe. And if you don't like it, it's fine with me. (laughs) Right. And so we have to be willing to draw that line in the sand and be polarizing and kind of ruffle people's feathers a little bit. Now it's okay. It's okay for me to believe different from somebody else it's okay. And we have these discussions at the dinner table because, you know, our kids go to public schools and they're in with all kinds of belief systems. I guess there's like 50 genders out there and we're supposed to accommodate each gender. I don't know. Right. And so we have these conversations about, you know, ideas and belief systems. And some of them are polarizing. Some of them people will not agree with. Right. And that is, oh, Okay, it's completely okay. Not everybody's going to subscribe to our spirituality. Not everybody's going to subscribe to our belief systems, but don't be afraid to speak them because this is who you are. Now, if I deny, if you deny that part of you to come out, then there's a piece of you that you're afraid to show to the world for fear. Somebody might disagree, right? I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. So what this is, is that I I was offered a question of how do I overcome people pleasing? And so what I wanted to first do is, is, is show clearly the signs of people pleasing, and I'll go over them one more time. Number one, you pretend to agree when you really don't. Uh, you don't want to make waves. You want to always make peace. Number three, you're very good at submission. You want to submit to everybody else's ideas and opinions. Number four, you take ownership for other people's feelings and problems. Hello. That's a big one. Number five, you, people rely on you as savior to come rescue them, asking you for money, asking you for all this. You're always coming to the rescue. Number six, you're doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. You're always saying, sorry, you're in a state of emptiness because you're constantly giving. Everybody in your world needs to be happy. You overly accommodate others. When you say no, you offer excuse or you feel bad. Number 12, you, you can't stand it when others don't like you and you need to be needed. And number 13 is you refuse to be polarizing. These are awesome things. I've seen them all played out in my life. And if you got these, just say, that's me. And I'm going to work on these things. Uh, follow along with me tomorrow. And this is probably going to be a three-parter because this is this is long stuff, okay? So let's say, that's me. That's all you got to do today. say, that's me. And I'm going to stay tuned tomorrow uh, for more information because I'm not just not going to leave you in the problem. I got integrity, right? I got, I'm just not going to throw the problem on you and uh, not offer you a solution. So um, stay tuned tomorrow. Peace.